Hey everyone, today I'd like to welcome Dave Hawes, who is a singer-songwriter and is currently performing with both his solo and with his band, The Mermaid. His music style draws from various genres such as heartland rock, folk rock and punk rock. He has also played in multiple Philly punk and hardcore bands and has done multiple collaborations with the likes of Brian Fallon and of course Chuck Reagan. So welcome Dave and Resolutions just turned 10. So thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so 10 years, how does that feel? Any reflections? Yeah, I did about, uh, well, I did a song a day leading up to um, a live stream that I did Saturday night of the whole record. And I was, each day I was uh, going on to Twitter and Instagram and so on and just sharing various ruminations about that record, making it, what it meant, how it panned out. Um, so I, I just kind of got through that whole process of, of, uh, of thinking through that record and, and, um, I don't know. My takeaway was it's not unlike going back to a high school yearbook where there's certain things you said that you're proud of, hopefully. And then there's certain haircuts that you're embarrassed about. You know, <laughs> I just think um, whenever you go back to a place, uh, you know, that's five or 10 or 15 years back, you're, there's some discomfort and hopefully some joy. And, uh, and I would say that's what, that record kind of was for me. It's the intersection of me leaving the constraints of, of playing rock and trying to make more of a rock and roll record or more of a singer songwriter record or whatever it was I was trying to do. And so there's really cool things at that intersection. And then really some things that like I would have done differently now. And I'm thankful that it still is here. I'm thankful that people still like it. And uh, thankful for what it did in terms of like, you know, altering the course of my life. That that record definitely uh, gave me a career up that I've been, you know, grateful to have ever since. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of wild. Ten I years mean, is yeah, it's a long, <laughs> it's a journey. That's for sure. Your album Kick that has a great story behind the title choice, and I think it ties in nicely. We're going to talk a lot about mental health today. So, did you want to share how that name came into being? Yeah. Um, so, Kick was something Tim, my brother Tim, and I were working on the songs, and um, my wife was pregnant with my twin boys at the time. So, this was 2018. We were writing songs. I had a pregnant wife. Fourth record was kind of coming due, and and the boys were coming due. And we were just in this uh, political, socioeconomic kind of nightmare. This is pre-COVID, but it still felt like the whole world had gone mad. Uh, to, uh, Trump was the president. And, um, you know, uh, as we were writing the lyrics, I, I asked him, I, you know, and as just, I, I don't remember what the specifics were, but I said, what do you do when you feel like you're drowning? I feel like we're drowning. And he said, you kick. And I thought, Oh, right. That's what you do. And you don't, in other words, you don't necessarily know by kicking if you'll ever even reach the shore or even the surface of the water, but you're going to fight like hell uh, to keep your head up over that, that line. And, and it just suddenly clicked into focus what it is we were trying to say throughout the various songs. And, and it just sort of became this um, defiant kind of um, rallying cry for the album. And, and also 
in excess had a record called Kick, which they is pretty great. They certainly did. Yeah. Got an Australian <laughs> and, I <laughs> and I love that record when I was a kid. And yeah. I thought, all right, well, enough time has passed in excess. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to call this record Kick. So that was kind of um, how that came to be. And it doesn't sugarcoat anything for sure. I mean, the topics covered in that are, are all types of light and dark. And I just wondered, do you keep it in mind when you're writing and creating music? Do you want to keep a balance of light and dark in your lyrics? Is that something that you're conscious of when you're creating? It's something I'm conscious of when we're editing. And it's something I'm conscious of when uh, it's time to pick the songs that you are going to decide to play for an extended period of time. In other words, there's some songs that just don't ever make it to the album or, you know, whatever they're, they're left behind. And some of that is because we've already covered that topic or we got too dark or we, it's too, too bouncy and light or, you know, so yeah, it's something I more think about when presenting um, a collection of work, you know, i.e. an album, but um, I guess I try not to edit the initial spark. And even if that initial spark is really dark um, and, and potentially almost sometimes irresponsible feels. Um, it's still part of the creative uh, process and it's something that I'm trying to get out in, in onto paper or into, into a chord structure or whatever. So I try not to mess with that too much initially, but I might edit it later. Like bearing down, I felt like in particular needed mm. a turn. I had the top half of that song and it, it didn't feel like it was going anywhere. It felt like it was honest and true, but it didn't feel like it was going anywhere uh, good. And, and so it took a little while to, for, for Tim and I to wrench the final verse into place to where it felt like honest and responsible, you know, uh, because my, my little nieces and nephews listen to this music and, and now my kids will probably hear it. And, and, and there's a lot of people that have come to the songs for comfort and I don't want to leave people hopeless. I don't really believe it is hopeless. So, so it would be, it's, that's what I mean by irresponsible. It's not necessarily that I'm like some Spengali or something. It's more just, I don't want to do, I don't think the world's hopeless. So I don't want to put that out as a, as a thought, I feel like it's hopeless sometimes, but I don't yeah. think it is. And I think that's important to express. I had a giggle because I think I've read in one of your many interviews that you, like me, are a big fan of the Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails. And they're a huge band for me, like growing up. And that was yeah. probably my own medication during my teenage years. But it's really funny now as my mental health has got better, I can't really listen to certain albums. Do you know what I mean? Like they... They're too mm -hmm. heavy for me. And I went through, I love Nine Inch Nails, but I went through a phase where I just couldn't listen to them anymore. Are there any albums that you have like that that helped you get through a period of time perhaps, but you on reflection, they're just like, wow, that's, that takes you to a dark or an emotionally deep place. That it's just sometimes it's too heavy. It's a lot of the music from that era because um, I was a teenager then. It's uh, The Downward Spiral will be the biggest one for yeah. me. It's, I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah, it's absolutely. Hard for me to listen to it. In fact, I don't put it on and listen to the whole thing anymore. I'll, I'll hear it, obviously, but I would say Nirvana's that way for me a, a lot, especially not the record, the big hit record. Not Nevermind as much, but but a lot of the other stuff feels maybe too heavy. Um, there's parts of Frightened Rabbits catalog that are hard for me to listen to. I mean, Scott was a friend of mine. 
Mm. Uh, and most of what most of what they put out, I can still hear, especially pedestrian verse. I think that's like a that's like an evergreen album. It's a perfect album to me. But there are definitely songs I I have trouble hearing and and don't want to dwell there. I don't know if that's um you know just part of getting older or or I don't know. I I guess maybe it's probably more what you're describing where you're like your mental health has improved and I kind of know what's good for me and what's not. And I think I'm so sensitive to music and so sensitive to what's going on. That's such a a tool to, to take us to different emotional states, isn't it? So I guess for me, if I, if I'm feeling particularly down, I know that if I put on something uh, like the cure, some, some, I mean, I love the cure, but there are certain songs that will take me into that place where I will feel grief and I will, be able to express but I think now I'm trying to get more in a grip of the balance of like do I really want to put myself into that emotional state right I I need to make a conscious decision sometimes of not just to like keep the downward spiral on repeat for example (laughs) like when I think you need to be mindful of your mental health so that you don't you don't make it worse in a sense yeah there's very little angry music that I still go back to I just don't even care for it as much and I spend a lot of time playing hardcore and working for hardcore bands and listening to hardcore and I couldn't care less. Like if somebody, you know, I have friends that I count on over the years for, for being able to point me to the good hardcore records. I don't even ask them anymore. I just don't care. Um, I, I, I wish I did. But anger, I think it's really kind of hard to reckon with energy, especially from kind of like suburban white guys. I'm kind of like, eh, what, what are you so angry about? I don't know, <laughs> but uh, so I'd say like, that's almost the whole genre that I don't, I mean, I'll listen to Rage Against the Machine. Uh, that's, that's one that I can get hype on. But most of the hardcore that I listened to in high school and stuff, like I don't listen to any of that stuff anymore. Um, I'm trying to think of any other, the cure I put on, they're evergreen to me. I can always listen to the yeah. cure. He's a perfect songwriter and sure there's a, t- a tinge of blue to a lot of it, but I just think of him as like more of a pop songwriter and just a perfect songwriter. So I, I just, yeah, I love The Cure. I could always they, put it on. They're probably one of the best bands I've ever seen live. So they are. Amazing. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Them, yeah. The, that stuff that does have a tinge of dark, I'll still go to it. But it, I think it's a hopelessness thing. Like hopelessness to me is, is I'm just like less apt to, to interface with it. It's just interesting talking to different artists and musicians and anyone who creates. I feel too, as a writer, you know, I get a lot of inspiration from the darker side of life, but I too just don't want to be putting that out there all the time because once it's cathartic and it served its purpose, I'm trying to leave a different mark, I guess, on the world, like a different imprint. Yeah, totally. I mean, in the end, who I would rather... I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it's hard because the creative part of it is different than, than the, than the listening part, but mm-hmm. you know, the older I get, the, the more I, I would rather listen to Stevie wonder than, than most things, you know, <laughs> it's just joy. Yeah. Much more than tool. Exactly. Oh, no, um, I, love tool. <laughs> I love tool too, but you know, I, I also kind of have started to embrace just the phases of life, you know, that yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't have as much interest in, in certain things. I like to go back and and listen to some things from my youth, especially it's exciting, but I don't necessarily stay there. I'll probably play a lot of the stuff for my kids as they develop. Um, But yeah, it's cool to kind of just 
you know, go let your heart take you to new things. You know, I think that's, that's good. Your story of growing up really fascinates me and I resonated with a lot of aspects of it. Some mm-hmm. of the religious context, I went to a private Christian-based school and I just found it really hard. We weren't allowed to explore topics. Like we, I was actually in Philadelphia and we had an exchange mm-hmm. and we were going to the Zion Baptist Church there to sing. Oh, wow. And it was when Antichrist Superstar by Marilyn Manson came out and I mm-hmm. had a brand new Discman and I was playing it and it got confiscated just for listening to it. I found it really frustrating that we weren't able to explore or just discuss those topics. And I find now that in my creative process, I still feel like I censor myself and self-edit a bit because I feel like my upbringing made me feel a little bit watched or observed. I guess I reflect on that time and think, wow, like my, I was treated quite appallingly for liking Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, Typo Negative, Cradle of Filth, insert other heavy metal band here and all types of assumptions were put on me. I wasn't satanic. I wasn't doing anything. I was just a young teenage girl trying to find her way in the world. And I wondered how your upbringing and your relationship with religion, how did that impact you now as a musician? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of figured out something was wrong pretty early, um, you know, as an early teen, because all the things I was getting told not to do seemed like the most fun. And I was like, this is not making sense. Like you're trying to say that sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know, are to be avoided. And that's, those are the three things I want to do. So I don't know if I can trust everybody around here. <laughs> also, they had all done it already. They were people from the 60s who who had, um, you know, done their thing and then whatever, become adults and found Jesus or whatever, and then start these schools and things. So I just was like, wait, you guys were 14 and 17 once too. So that was peculiar. But I honestly, the thing with me and 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 I guess the way I've squared it away more so as an older guy now is um, I just think that uh, I have gone through most of my life looking around at the conclusions that we've drawn as a society. So I mean that in in the macro sense, like, you know, the whole society we're living in now, including, you know, all of our country and the world and so on. And then also down to the specifics of the local societies that I was in, you know, Christian school. And I've most of the time, my takeaway is really, this is what we came up with. Is this really what we're doing? Capitalism with no regard for the poor. This seems insane or, you know, and, and then, so that's one thing. And then in high school, it was really, you guys really think that we're going to not, have sex with one another or really not going to be into Danzig? Really? Yeah. Like stuff is so cool. Why would you think that it's any different for us to want to um, listen to Aerosmith than it was for you guys to listen to Crosby, Stills and Nash or the Beatles? I just could. and, And I just think that way still to this day, I go like, you know, I look around at this COVID response and I'm like, really? This is what we came up with. This is the best we could do because this sucks. And so, uh, you know, for me that having that mentality is, is interesting when you're a teenager and a young person, you know, young twenties or whatever, but it's hard. It gets tiresome when you're this old to still be thinking that way. But I still think that way. I still think like, this is crazy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going to scorch the whole earth because we want more stuff. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I just feel like it, it's a perpetual state of um, confusion and frustration that I've kind of come to, to uh, interface with over the course of my life. And, you know, I talk about this with my therapist mm. and thankfully he's a similarly minded guy. Like he's yeah, like, that's good. like that when we talk about, you know, my kids attaching, you know, the attachment of children to their parents. Yeah. He, he often talks about how modern society is not set up to facilitate that properly. And that's a good thing to hear from your therapist and like, okay, good. So, so basically what you're saying is we've got this all kind of f- fucked up and we need to work harder as people to try to make sure our children are attaching properly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't imagine. I mean, I'm not a parent at the moment. I have a lot of friends who are and, a lot of them are anxious. We have those discussions. Yeah. Like how do you, you know, like what's the best practice? And you can only do what you can do. And I always think, you know, you do the best you can with what you're equipped with at the time, but we all want to do the right thing by everyone. Mm-hmm. That's, that really presents a massive challenge at the moment. It does. It, yeah. So I, I, so I would say that that's been most of my takeaway, you know, that, that um, it was, yeah, it felt like a prison. It felt like, it felt really hypocritical and, and all that, but I guess I'm far away enough from it now. And I've, and I sort of was proven right. (laughs) Sort of. Yeah. Like all the stuff I thought was cool when I was a teenager is now the stuff that is the most popular things in culture. I loved comic books and skateboarding and punk rock and, uh, tattoos or whatever the stuff I thought was cool. Then it all came true. In other words, the movies that sell the the most tickets are about superheroes (laughs) and uh, everybody and their brother has a tattoo and you know, whatever, et cetera. So I do feel a little bit vindicated. I'm mostly saying that as a joke, but (laughs) I I guess like it was tough though. If I, if I go back to that headspace, it was really tough and it's hard to sort of make your own way without constantly feeling like you're the most bizarre person in the room. You know, you're the person with all these screwy ideas, you're, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to dive weird. deeper into that because you, like a lot of us, we all struggle with various addictions and I kind of wanted to talk about your journey to what seems now a more serene and tranquil state, but I once read this brilliant article, and I think I actually wrote it down in one of my journals from Mm -hmm. you because I was like, wow, and I took it to my therapist and was like, this, this is exactly what I'm feeling, where the, the angle was you were talking about the allure of oblivion, like just completely zoning Mm -hmm. out, tuning out from the world. And you said that you had this choice, whether you, you could choose to stay in oblivion or you could choose to get back into the real world. And I thought that was such a, oh, for me, that just really cemented how I was feeling at the time. Not that I ever did anything heavy with drugs, but I had other uh, like eating issues and things and anything like that is, is serving the same purpose of. of and, and in some ways more addictive, my yes. wife treats uh, eating disorder uh, yeah. patients and has in her past. And it's one of the hardest illnesses to yeah. get over. So I have yeah. a, I have a real, yeah, a well, pretty was, good sense for that, you know? Yeah, I, and I think, and because, you know, and I don't drink, but I had other issues and because they weren't like the hard drugs, I found it easier to hide or um, yeah. rationalize, rationalize those addictions. Totally. And they, they sometimes flare up. I have to keep a pretty tight eye on it. I mean, that was mostly my teens and early 20s. I'm nearly 40 now. But I just wondered mm-hmm. if you could talk a little bit about that because 
it's like you're in between two worlds. You know, when you're in that in-between zone of like you want to get better, but you still you feel the pull, I guess. The, the pull is so strong back into that land of oblivion. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I think that part of that for me was it, it's something I knew I could control. And otherwise, it's hard to feel like you're in control of anything, you know, in the crazy world that we live in. It seems out of control. It seems like so little of what you do matters. Um, and so in this warped way, if you can control, you know, pretty immediately how you feel and sort, and you sort of are flirting with, with oblivion, you know, which ultimately means like nothing, which would be like, you know, death or something that you're at least the one holding the keys to that car. Now, I mean, the irony of it is it, you're totally out of control that, that you're, you're actually a slave to this. Yeah. You know, in, in my case, yeah. yeah, you're right. You're, you're not living your life. Your life's being affected by how much lying on this, this drug, whether it's alcohol or booze or, or how much you, how sick you are with mental illness, you know, in the case of some other things. So it is ironic, but in that moment, you think that you have control. And I think like, that's what maybe was appealing to me. I'm not exactly sure. I, I, I need to probably unpack it more in therapy, but it's, uh, the oblivion part of it was attractive to me. And now it's as far off my radar as it's ever been because I, I don't, I guess for a host of reasons, but mo mostly for me, it's because I want to see what happens with my kids. I want to see how they turn out. <laughs> so oblivion seems <laughs> just totally not interesting to me when I could think like, well, what if they, what if they learned to tango? I don't know. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's, um, you know, so I, it's hard to, it's hard to um, go back to that place. However, you know, that's kind of what therapy is for, for me every week. It's to kind of get back into the middle of the river, you know, not to go too far over to either shore. Yeah. It's that intricate dance or that balancing act of maintaining alignment. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to get too rigid and you don't want to get too chaotic. And either of those shores are very easy to steer your boat into. So that's kind of the daily work and sometimes the minute to minute work. And then also just the work every week with my therapist is trying to get a hold on, on how to stay in the middle of that river when so it's, this, it twists around so much, you know, you'll have a, an insurrection in the nation's capital or a pandemic to live through or you know what i mean there's just there's all this something yeah there's always yeah. something and there always has been something you know in as long as humans have have populated the earth so which is kind of comforting so hopefully that helps you stay in the middle of that river but that's kind of the job is that steadiness now instead of you know constantly running the boat up against the chaotic side yeah. of the of the yeah. bank <laughs> yeah I think it's important for men to talk about therapy and I'm really glad that you've raised that you have a therapist. And I was wondering whether you could talk about maybe like what are the benefits and when you first started therapy, did you find it uncomfortable? And sometimes it can take a, a while, right, to shop around for someone, like mm -hmm. you said before, who was similarly minded. So can you maybe share shed a little bit of information on your relationship with your therapist and, and how that benefits you? I would say that, 
if you can figure out a way through insurance or through your own means to, to see a therapist, that it would do everybody some good. And I think part of that frame that I view it from is the chaotic world we live in that um, I try to look at it in terms of like evolution. So pretty much uh, up until about a hundred years ago, things were going pretty slow for the species. Um, in other words, there was there were wheels and horses that pulled things and little combustion engines and so on, but but nothing too crazy. It was mostly the same for for human beings as it had been for thousands of years. But then you basically look at the last hundred years and you look at the the speed at which we're moving with technology, and suddenly, it, just in my lifetime you don't have encyclopedias anymore. You have all the information you could possibly want at your fingertips on your phone. And so you have all the contact of anybody you ever knew that's on online at your fingertips. How, how could you possibly think you could keep up with that kind of change? It's not like our brains are evolving at the same rate technology is. And so, you know, that coupled just with the idea that we live in this like very often this like bloodthirsty machine of like, ah, oh, profit and money and things and, you know, yeah, achieving, doing, being, yeah. Right. And nobody feels good. Everybody feels shitty. Everyone feels like crazy and, and burnt out and frustrated. And, and so all, when you add all that up, the idea of a therapist becomes much more of a great idea and a necessity for some especially if you're a sensitive person. Yeah. Some place to kind of muddle through all this stuff. It's impacting your your individual relationships and, and your ability to navigate and your own sanity. I think it's really helpful. And I mean, the thing with men, I think you're right. And it's frustrating. And I think, I mean, men are the worst, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, not all men, but I mean, good Lord, enough with men running things in this dopey way we've been doing it for so long. I mean, look at the messes we're in, but anyhow, I could go on and on about that, but save that for next therapy session. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. I got therapy tomorrow. Um, anyway, right. but, uh, I, you know, I, it's been super helpful. I would recommend it to anyone. It does take a little time to get comfortable. The other thing is it's not advice and it's not, not answers, you, is it? You know, it's not no, not necessarily. I mean, you hopefully come to some answers on your own. You have to engage with the process, which I think is part a part. It's a thing that a lot of people miss. They think they're going to go in. And it's like the movies where their therapist goes, oh, well, you uh, were struck by your mother on D- December 57th of 19. 19- <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> December fifty seventh. I mean, we're in a different different world now altogether. <laughs> right, right. But you know what I mean. People think yeah. uh, they have this really weird thing where they're like, "Okay, though well, the therapist is going to solve it for me." Yeah, they're going to pinpoint the exact point of trauma which is responsible for X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not that simple. It's not. A, they're not a plumber. They don't come in and go like, "Okay, the the pipe's not leaking anymore." They'll. So in that sense, it's a little bit hard to 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 sort of know your expectations for a therapist, like, and, and you have to be reasonable. I think it's good to set that out at the beginning if you can and go like, well, here's what I'd like to accomplish. And then hopefully the therapist has the good sense to be like, that's not what I do or, or, okay, I can help with that, etc. But I think that's, that's an important part of it too. 
but yeah, it's been great for me and I would highly recommend it. And I would also, for anybody who's got like barriers of entry, like, Oh, I don't want to go do that. That's yeah. for assistance. I do or whatever find that. like a, there's a lot of resistance. Like there's this huge, uh, like the want to do it, but then the, the physical act sort of just doesn't come into play. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, I also think it's, it's an, it's a expanding field. Like <laughs> I think I try to think about mental illness as much as I think about physical illness. And, you know, you want your mind to be relatively healthy and your body to be relatively healthy, or what else do you have? You have misery. Exactly. exactly. And, and this is a person who's adept at working it out so that you're more mentally healthy. And so it's in the same way, it's good to go take walks and, and get out every now and again, if you like riding bikes or whatever, that stuff's good for you. And so is working through emotional things. You have to have relationships in life and they're really hard. So if you can have someone to help you sharpen the tools or even give you the tools, maybe not even sharpen them, but give you tools you didn't even know existed to, to help you navigate life. I think it's, um, it's a great, it's a great value. I think the greatest thing about therapy for me was finally taking personal accountability and responsibility. For a very right. long time, I'd blamed other people, other things, all the external. And for me, it was like, actually, this is all internal. And yes. it really forced me to look at my reactions to things and to start to shift my focus. And I am quite spiritual now and I have my own meditation practice. But I was wondering, do you have any other practices that you do outside of therapy that assist with just like general well-being yeah i walk often i for long like long walks i take i mean i spend a lot of time working on music which is a really um it's like you're constantly working on a puzzle you're constantly working from an emotional place and you're constantly uh trying to infuse or sort of at least be aware of a magic kind of soulful spiritual element. So all those things do keep me more sane when I'm working on music. So that therapy, walking, spending time in nature. And honestly, the, the least amount of time I can spend on social media, the better. I mean, I kind of have to do it or I feel like I have to do it for my job, but I don't think it's good. I think I think we went on one date with the internet and decided to get married <laughs> as a species. <laughs> and now we're going, oh my God, this person's a monster. <laughs> That's such a good analogy for it. It's like, wow, things really got, uh, we got involved too quickly. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was going to, oh no. <laughs> Not just a one night stand, it's a full on addictive. <laughs> yeah, right, right. No, no, no. We're, we're married and you get half of everything if we split up and, you know, et cetera. So yeah, I think, um, I think that's, it's, it's, some of it is just avoiding bad practice, you know, like for me, it's, it's, it's not doing drugs. It's not drinking. Like I've made all that. And then I try to eat healthy. You know, I try not to put yeah. a lot of processed foods into my system and just try to be mindful of what's going on because I am sensitive to this crazy world we're in. I try to look for the beauty in the world. You know, I try to look for the things that are really joyful. Do you know when you need to sort of step back and, and just be like, well, time out. I need to come back and revisit this music or this writing at another point. Yeah. I mean, I think whenever your, your, your editor shows up, 
with more with more of the oxygen in the room than you but then the creator does it's probably time in other words if you're shredding what you just worked on oh this sucks what a stupid line oh my god this you know you got to get out of there because you're just going to destroy it and I kind of know that now after making X amount of songs or X amount of records or whatever, I know that that guy is such um, a miserable, <laughs> destructive person that I, I try not to let him in. I mean, he's helpful sometimes because you have to have a barometer for quality or whatever. You know, you don't, yes. don't want to just put any thought out. You, you want to have some semblance of, uh, you know, artistic merit or whatever, but um yeah, I kind I kind of know. I, at least I hope I do. Yeah. Uh, when when it's time to to go take a walk or or spend time with the boys or, or whatever, you know, call my sister or whatever, and and just get out of that head. But it does bring a, an immense amount of joy to be creative. Um, it typically these days is is because I don't get to do it as much um, because I'm busy being a dad. It does bring such joy puts you into a high vibing I call it high vibing and my creativity was stagnant probably for all of 2020 which you know and I thought yeah. oh, I've got all this time I've got all this time yep. to write my scripts and be creative and I didn't do anything and yeah I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit now but I well this ain't over you got time <laughs> I, I'm not got a job still, <laughs> still doing it but it, I have recently had like a little bit of a shift with creativity and I just feel better I've got more energy generally I Oh, that's great. A different lease of life. And I feel like you do go through ebbs and flows of that and to sort Mm -hmm. of not not give up and also knowing when you can't force it. Like I'd sit there with my script writing open just sort of sitting there going, I can't write anything today. And I don't think that's productive either, trying to force it either. So I'm still learning a little bit about the balance with my own writing process as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of that is there's little tricks and stuff. There's morning pages, like write whatever comes out first thing in the morning that I forget who invented that. Yeah. It's like automatic writing. I think when you wake up, I do that where I just like stream of conscious, right? I don't edit. I don't full stops or anything. I just kind of keep, keep going, which is cool. There's ways to to push through and, and, uh, but yeah, there's also rest, you know, you need to rest sometimes. I just would like to talk about music a little bit. I know we have a bit of a mental health focus, but what is in the pipeline for you? What are you working on? What's happening? Uh, we're just writing songs right now um, for a new album. It seems like in 2022, we'll be able to probably support anything we put out with a tour. I would Ooh. hope. I hope. I mean, I've made the unfortunate, or I don't think I've made the decision, but I've allowed the decision to be made that I haven't been back there since 2012. Yeah, it's so been a long time. Come back over. <laughs> I know, I know. I need to get down there. I need to get to New Zealand. Um, I love yeah. it there. Yeah. And um, last time I was there, I was opening for Gaslight Anthem. So it's been sure a minute. Were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the idea is write songs and put them out uh hopefully you know timing that'll be interesting putting that out when we can legitimately go play shows for people is the goal but uh with with covid it's just hard to say i spoke to um chuck reagan was on the podcast and you guys did like a little stream live stream didn't you and i asked him about that how was that was that also strange for you like this new way of doing music performances 
Well, I had done a lot of live streams, so I was comfortable with it to a point. Um, we did that one differently. I didn't do that. We did it in a venue, and, and it was the two of us. It was comfortable because it was he and I, and he's an old friend, and we are comfortable. It was a little weird because we were in an empty venue. So yeah. that presented a strange dynamic, but it was great to see him. I mean, I was thrilled to see my friend. You know, It's just so rare to now see any friends. Yeah, I mean, I just did the resolutions one. I don't know if I'll do too many more of those. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know. There'll be stuff to do, um, but I, I just, I'm kind of right now. I'm really enjoying writing and yeah. and trying to stack up enough songs that we can make plenty of music, record it, and and put it out. So that's kind of the focus. I mean, the live stream thing. I'm sure we'll do more at some yeah. point. Because um, I, I don't think it's just going to be a, a green light turns on and everybody goes back to touring. I think it's going to be a hybrid of like, you know, it would be better than nothing. And it also, you know, at that point, there might be a hybrid where you're like playing a seated lower capacity show or something and and streaming it to people who can't make exactly. it. There'll be some people who are safely able to come because they're vaccinated and some who aren't. So that'll be weird. I don't know. I'm just going to kind of, it's... It I'm not creating the sea. I'm just a little boat in it. So I'm, I'm kind of like, all right, well, we'll see whatever works for us once yeah. we know what we can do, you know? Yeah, exactly. And just perhaps to round out the conversation, is there any advice that you would like to leave listeners who might be struggling with mental health during this time? Um, I think that, I think for me, if you can make it your great ambition to try to get as mentally well as you can, I think, I think it's not often thought of as like a goal, you know, to, to try to be well. And I think if you sort of think of that as a responsibility and a goal and all that stuff, that your life can improve if you're actively, you know, and, and what, I guess what I mean by that is like seeking help, taking medication if you need to, seeing a therapist because it, you know, that that can help. Any of the things that you need, if you need to get sober, try to get sober, like do the thing that seems frightening and that seems like almost like an immovable object in your way. And then try to live your life um, because it it's worth it. You know, it for me, those changes were so terrifying. And so and overwhelming um, too, right? Like yeah, and overwhelming. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. to find a damn therapist. I don't know how to get, so, you know, all those things, yeah. but with each one, if you just do it a little bit at a time in little increments, little improvements come along. And, and, and I'm not saying this from any place of like, I know everything at all. I, I, I just, I've been in much worse straits than I am now. I feel better and I have a, a steadier, a steadier life. And a lot of that's because, uh, you know, trying to take mental health seriously. Yeah, I think it's, and that's why I'm doing this. I think we have to talk about it. So people can see like, you can change, you can shift, you can change yeah. your own narrative. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what, I mean, that's what I believe in. That's what my wife believes in. That's kind of the house we live in. You know, I make songs and she does therapy. So you really have you should do like retreats. Up. <laughs> you really have to be hopeful to keep those two things in mind that change is possible that 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 the world can get better if that if those are your two 
if that's the way you're keeping the lights on in the house, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of those insights. It's been a Yeah, thank you so much. You. I think thank what you're you. doing is, is really cool. And, and I'm glad that it worked out that we could talk.